0: Welcome to episode 28 of Probably Polly, the podcast where we question everything, even our name. As always, I am your host, Michael Haig. I am
1: your co-host, Sarah Lucas. And I'm your co-host, Mandy Conan.
0: Sorry for this quick interruption, but during the editing process for this episode, we reached the full episode length mark while just covering the Survivor Pod updates. And honestly, we didn't cover them very fully. We did our best to abbreviate them already. And so we did not feel comfortable cutting them any further down. Since the content is very important to the community, we decided to make just the Survivor Pod update a standalone episode. Therefore, we will be releasing our episode on NRE next time. I do apologize for any inconvenience this may cause. I'm actually not super sure how much people rely on or expect the episodes to come out exactly exactly as i have listed them from the previous week although i know at least one community member has reached out to me at some point and been like i was looking forward to that episode but they thought i was going to cut it entirely not just bump it so if that's really a problem and it upsets you write in the comments and if we feel like that's a problem for the community we'll do even more to try and have that not happen in the future although i already try not to have that happen of course. I am making all these additional announcements alone because it was not possible to get up with Sarah and Mandy in time to release this episode by the end of day Friday if I were to wait to re-record with all of them. While I have you, I do have two corrections that I need to make as well. The first is that the author, Louisa Leontiades, is not a member of the Accountability Pod, but rather describes herself as adjacent to it and filling a community role. Secondly, after we released episode 27, Louisa reached out to me to offer a correction on our discussion of Elaine's story, namely that I noted that people's memories of timelines and how one accounts for time are often different between individuals, and suggested that the discrepancy between the three years Franklin noted and the one year Elaine recalls could be based on when they started counting. However, Louisa sent me the original text where Franklin recounts the story and he says there, quote, at the time, I had known Elaine for about five years and had been in a relationship with, with her for about three, end quote. Now, I don't believe that, that entirely invalidates what I said because there's still room for interpretation under relationship. He might have meant friendship relationship. He might have meant dating relationship. I think he did mean dating relationship and would like to express sort of the difficulty in some context of my role here or what I see my role to be in covering these survivor stories, because I know that a lot of people are not going to read all of these stories as they develop, and that I am able to get some of this content to audiences who otherwise wouldn't be able to participate in it. At the same time, I am trying to provide not balanced coverage, because I do believe that part of my job is to interpret what I see and make sense of the patterns that are there. And the balance I look for is an ethical balance, not not balancing in sort of the brute sense of the same amount of coverage time. That said, I do think I have to still look at the respectful version of the opposite argument because that is a big part of what I believe helps us build bridges and connect with other people. And that really, in the end, that's the goal that the transformative justice movement, as I understand it, claims to be aiming at, and so I don't think it helps to sort of, even if one side was objectively just in the wrong the whole time, which I'm not sure is true, saying that's what's going on, I think it helps to look for places where these miscommunications may have happened. That said, a five-year total time with a three-year relationship note really pushes credulity to say that that could be misinterpreted from a one-year relationship. All right? So those corrections made, I would like to thank Louisa for reaching out and invite anyone who finds that we have made a factual mistake on any of our episodes to let us know so that we can do our best to correct it. I especially ask you to keep that in mind as you begin to listen to this episode, which covers a huge range of articles and deals with very sensitive material that people actually lived. And in which I can only hope I didn't make any additional mistakes in. This week's current event continues to follow a veritable flood of new posts around Polyamory's Me Too Survivors pod and the Franklin Voe scare quote accountability pod. (laughs) Okay. Now, I'll get into more why the quote unquote for that, but the short version is pod is a word in transformative justice, and so far every single person that has posted from his quote unquote pod has said they're not doing transformative justice work. Oh,
1: I didn't So, even I'm
0: not sure how that, that works out, and we'll talk more about that later, but that's why I'm going to put quotes around accountability pod anytime I'm talking about that in this episode because I don't want to say that it's an accountability pod if it's not happening in a transformative justice framework. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and get this out of the way. There's about nine links in this episode. They're all in the description. Yeah. If we mention an article, it's in the description. It has a little title that tells you what the articles are, so you can find the one you're looking for.
1: Quick question: the poly Me Too movement, is it just around this Franklin Vaux situation, or are there other situations that are being talked about? Or like
0: Well, this this Survivor Pod named itself the Polyamory's Me Too Survivor Pod. Uh, so, like that, that whole thing is its name.
1: I, oh, I'm sorry. So presumably that, okay.
0: you can still meet. Too.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sad that they like they, they took that name for this story because I'm sure there are going to be more stories coming. there are always more stories. But yeah, anyway,
0: I don't think that stops anyone from using the hashtag. No, it doesn't in any sense, you know, and they didn't put the hashtag in front of it. They weren't like hashtag polyamory me too. It's polyamory space hashtag me to survivor sure. pod. Okay.
1: So, All right.
0: you know, and if you remember the original article, the reason the name is like that is because they pointed out that oftentimes I mean, there's lots of different definitions, but the most common definition for polyamory is ethical non yeah. think of themselves as being ethical and therefore less harmful and more enlightened and more in the know about relationship things and other groups yeah. and so the point of that title was to highlight like it happens here too
1: mm-hmm. okay I see that makes sense then okay
0: so I think that was I mean, that was in the original letter and the explanation in the original call out letter so I think that's fine I mean at least I'm not against it I'm not telling you you can't be but <laughs> Sarah that's fine <laughs> <laughs>
2: calm down hon right calm down <laughs>
0: <laughs> the approach that I'm going to use is we've covered a lot of the Survivor Pods material, and we continually ask the question when is the Accountability Pod going to post some information we can interact with? And to cover all of this, like I said, takes nine links. It is not my function or desire to summarize every article that's been put out because, really, if you have the bandwidth, you should read as many of them as you can and get the information as an original source instead of secondarily. But we do this to start with the highlights and get you interested and help direct you towards the ones you might want to read the most of the different articles. So the way that I'm going to approach today is I'm going to look at the two articles from the accountability pod and then bring in rebuttals or statements from the other articles that cite these statements. Does that make sense?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. In chronological order, the first one that came out is from someone named Stan Hanks.
1: Oh, Stan Hanks.
0: I don't know anything about Stan Hanks. And from what I've seen, neither does anybody else. (laughs) He also identifies as not being part of this community at all. So he's a fundamental (laughs) outsider, which is fine. I mean, not that people on the outside can't perform accountability work, but this is why nobody, we don't know him as far as I can tell. And he posted the first response to a quorum question, which was what, if any action has happened on the accountability pod front, which is what we've been asking as well, which is they say they made an accountability pod, but we've seen nothing from them. We've seen no letters from them. We've seen no responses from them. This is a very hard article for me to read read when I read it. To start with the quote-unquote of the accountability pod for this one, Stan Hank says, I was asked to be part of Franklin's accountability pod, which I take very seriously, but then throughout the article says things like, Quote, I am not part of the loosey-goosey modern social justice collectivism movement seeking to create, quote, alternative justice formats. But <laughs> pod is a word created by transformative justice. It only has meaning inside of the transformative justice concept, so you can't both identify as a member of an accountability pod and not participating in alternative justice.
1: Yep.
0: You could reject the process entirely, but you can't say that you're gonna participate but not be part mm-hmm. of it
1: contradictory.
0: That doesn't make any sense. Then he goes on to talk about how he's such a great member of the pod for particularly important things, and he lists his credentials. So one is he's independent, which he self-describes as basically meaning that he's not financially dependent on Franklin.
2: Which is a big, huge point for the other side, where they keep saying, oh, well, well, this survivor's financially dependent on Eve, and this survivor's financially dependent on Eve. Like, there's some type of, sure. s- somebody's telling them they have to do this, or they're not going to get paid, or something. Yeah. Right, right.
0: <laughs> this appears to be something that, when we see the later articles, makes sense. Like if, I didn't read this until I read the later articles, but if I read this first, I'd be like, why is he pointing out his financial dependence or non-dependence? I don't understand the relevance of that to this process. But, well, that'll make sense later. So then his second point is, quote, "I know a fuck ton about governance," which
1: yeah right. sorry,
0: is very self-congratulatory and also very strange because then he immediately goes on to list his experience in the corporate world, which is not government nor governance, it's management
1: wondering about that it's like okay wait wait do you understand that the term governance then because it sounds like you have nothing to do with the way that the society governs uh, formally (laughs)
0: right if you're running people controlling people that you were in a hierarchical organization with is not governance it's management but even if it were governance it's been pointed out repeatedly that we're not using governmental processes the entire point of this is to escape a governmental format Mm -hmm.
2: and exactly how much is a fuck ton (laughs) He says he's been on something like
0: eight non...
2: Been
1: on the board of three very large nonprofits, one of which was international. I've been on the boards of eight significant private companies and one publicly traded company. Accountability as a practice is something which I have on lock.
2: Wow.
0: Yeah, and he's self-reporting that he has accountability on lock from, and I love this, corporate America is his bar for quality accountability
2: oh my
0: and, and taking care of people.
2: Yeah, because poly's got a lot to do with that. I mean, there's a straight correlation between corporate America and Polly. I mean... Well, again,
0: <laughs> I'm not even concerned about that. I don't think oh, there's a straight gosh. correlation between corporate America and actual ethics for people. Right.
2: Corporate America is like the <laughs> flagship of unethical, you know, like... This whole this whole thing the name is of the a Americans, joke. Enough said, right? This whole fucking thing is a joke and it's, it pisses me off so much.
0: His third qualification is, quote, I know sexual harassment. And again, all of his experience is going mean, to be in the corporate world and he talks about how he mm-hmm. adjudicated other executives who were claimed under sexual harassment. And I'm going, "Okay, so corporations are not generally trying to create best outcomes for everybody involved. They're trying to avoid lawsuits." So mm-hmm. you having experience yeah avoiding lawsuits for your company is not having experience with ethics. It's not having experience getting outcomes that are going to be healthy or good for anyone. It's not even about having people, holding people accountable other than in the legal sense of the word. The only thing you're looking for there is, right. can we be sued? Do we need to lay this person off for PR reasons? Like companies aren't looking at it from a purely ethical standpoint as a general rule. And then he finishes that part about knowing a lot about sexual harassment by pointing out that he has a lawyer on retainer to deal with sexual harassment Issues, which to me sounds like maybe his lawyer knows about sexual harassment issues, not so much him. And in that's best case scenario. But again, the whole point of this was to shift out of a legal context. Right. So telling us that you have this lawyer you can turn to to get good legal advice doesn't tell us anything about the transformative justice context, the ethics context that we're concerned about.
2: Because there's no legal advice needed,
0: period. Nobody is claiming that they can arrest Franklin no. for what he's done. Right. Not a single no. person no. is trying to file a lawsuit, is saying we should arrest Nothing him.
2: Charges. Is nothing.
0: Yeah, right, for anything. Not no. even in civil court. Mm-hmm. Just nobody's saying that. So your legal expertise won't tell you anything that we don't already know. Most forms of abuse that we're talking about are not even illegal. Gaslighting isn't illegal. Insulting people into a point of verbal abuse isn't necessarily illegal. You're allowed to just sit on the street and tell people they're jerks. Calling people names or insulting them, as long as it doesn't cross a line you can prove into actual harassment, isn't illegal. But done systematically over a long time to a loved one is abuse. But there's no no law covering that.
1: And that is something that... uh, I am so angry that there's not laws to cover that because I've been the victim of that and there's nothing I can freaking do about it. But that being said... If there was a law about it, it would be so hard that, like, it would be a double-edged sword. Anyone could claim it because it's so... You
0: you wouldn't want there to be a law about it is kind of the claim of transformative justice, that when the government gets involved in your personal life, it kind of destroys people, right? The whole point of the transformative justice right. yeah, okay. yeah. alternative justice movement is the idea that the legal system should not and cannot effectively encapsulate the things that we need to be healthy, happy, ethical human beings inside of our own communities, right? I don't think that there should be a law against it, because what kind of punishment are you talking about? I don't want to see a payment for this, and I don't want to see someone go to jail for this. I want to see them be re-educated. I want to see the community Mm -hmm. socially censor them and basically say, until we can see that you're not a threat to us, we want you to investigate how you can become less threatening. Those are the kind of responses we want, which are the kind of responses we're pushing for inside of transformative justice, not these punitive concepts. So I don't know what any of that has to do with what we're talking about. And then he goes on to say things about how he doesn't care about the court of public opinion, but instead acts decisively, which one assumes means unilaterally, which does not sound compassionate or helpful or caring in in any way. And then he ends it with a crazy slippery slope fallacy, where he basically says that we're one false accusation away from...
1: A reign of terror?
0: Which is crazy, right? Because obviously the whole government would have to collapse for a reign of terror to happen for us to run around murdering people. And we wouldn't be murdering gaslighters. I mean, the people who are no. you see on Facebook are talking about eating the rich, not gaslighters as a general rule.
2: I'm totally creating a meme that says, eat the gaslighters. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy, I love you. <laughs> and
0: that's just insane. That's that's called a slippery slope fallacy. So whenever you say, if we do this, then this next thing will happen, and you can't cite research evidence that shows that those are causally connected, that's a slippery slope fallacy. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know, a fallacy is something that feels intuitively right, and therefore has a lot of persuasive weight while basically always being wrong. So the slippery slope fallacy, is you hear it a lot. People go, well, if that, like, if that happens, when will this thing happen? And obviously, as a Polyperson, person you should be very invested in not believing the slippery slope fallacy because the most common usage we hear is well if people can marry multiple partners what stops them from marrying animals
2: right yeah and children
0: and the answer is consent right like we only marry things that can consent yeah. and Growing it doesn't up? create a slippery yes. slope that shoves us off of the world of consent we have a barrier
1: yeah uh-huh <laughs>
0: So you have to be able to prove that there's some evidence that in some country that legalized multi-person marriage, the next thing that happened was people were campaigning to marry dogs. And not only did that happen, but then it got adopted, right? Like you have to show that causal link doesn't look like from this that the quote accountability pod is participating at all basically they didn't right. you know, respond mm-hmm. with compassion they didn't respond with listening to both sides they immediately went into a corner of claiming that the wrong party here is Franklin they talk about how he used to have a perfect reputation as the nice guy which is a hilarious thing to say I almost mm-hmm. feel like they found whoever yeah. could say the most buzzwords that would make him sound evil to write this article for him yeah, and then put <sighs> it out so I'm, I almost wonder if it was put out by someone else but nobody has come out to say it was wasn't part of the Franklin vote quote accountability pod so I guess it oh I almost think it thought it was like a spoof the first time I read it it's it's so offensive <laughs> it's, and hyperbolic yeah. oh and I posted a link earlier and it's in the links as well but one of the advisory members of the survivor pod so they're not on the survivor pod but they're an advisory member posted an amazing Twitter feed that's in the links that's like all of the sort of snark and outrage that I would love to do but they already did it and they did it well and we don't have time to do it so it's just <laughs> Go check that link for Ida A I D A Ida. Is that how you say that? Ida. Ida. Maybe.
2: Maybe I don't know.
0: I don't know. It's A I D A, so either Ada or Ida. I don't. I don't know. Mandalay. And so I'm so sorry I said your name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The second thing that they have posted, and this is something that has got much more reasonable interaction, is that Dr. Elizabeth Chef, who is famous in our community for producing research about polyamorous families, primarily in the form of the book *The Polyamorous Next Door*, and then later the book *Stories from the Polycule. So then again, I'm gonna include Chef's response in, this, in the air quote accountability pod zone, and for these two quotes. So she says, quote, for several months now, I have been a member of Franklin Vo's accountability pod, end quote. And then separately, quote, it is important to note that I am not placing this analysis in a restorative justice framework, end quote. So what is the point? Super confusing, because if you're in an accountability mm-hmm. pod, then all of your work is in a restorative justice framework. If you are taking this work seriously, because she says she's not familiar with it, you go out, you research this. I mean, this is a professional researcher or a self-described professional researcher and they can't go do like a half a day's work, a day's work to get, not I'm not saying fluent, but comfortable with the transformative justice claims movement. That's not a huge ask given the work that you're going to do. So she does what I assume is a lot of work to write this article but doesn't do the work to actually even understand the context the ask is written in. And that is super confusing to me.
2: And it's aggravating because why? Why are you (laughs) taking part of this if you're not taking part in this?
0: Yeah. Right. And so then she She instead goes on to note her credentials as an analytic academic shaped by her legal experience primarily as expert witness again in court cases. You know, but presumably as experts go who are not direct members of the community, participating members of the community, she has more knowledge of polyamory and how it works than a lot of people. Yeah. But again, what I really wanted to focus on wasn't that. I wanted to focus on the fact that she's situating this in an analytic academic context, yes. which yes. anyone that knows anything about feminist philosophy, which is what transformative justice is out of, knows that it explicitly rejects analytic academics.
1: Interesting. I didn't know that.
0: What it means to be analytic is to be able to look at the evidence impartially and pull away an answer from what's going on there. In philosophy, they sometimes mockingly call this armchair philosophy, right? So the idea that, like, Descartes' famous I think therefore I am comes from this kind of work. Like, he sits alone in the dark and goes, let me do a thought experiment. Oh, I solved all of how reality works. And, of course, if you actually know Descartes' work, he basically ends up concluding that there must be a god in the universe and believes that he has perfect knowledge of that through his logic. And so we know that his logic is not Mm. great logic. Oh, yeah. And so analytic practices aren't going to get at what you want here, because what you want is to try and make the survivors as comfortable as possible so that they can tell their experiences and share their pain because we know that the current system creates lots of erasures. Part of the analytic tradition is that it creates erasures. And that's why the analytic tradition comes out of the primarily white areas of the world, right? Is because you erase everybody that doesn't meet certain barriers to entry, which tend to be heavily privileged and tend to erase people in oppressed positions. And so most feminist work is explicit Against analytic traditions. And then also by her legal expertise, which again has been stated over and over and over and over and over in these write ups, rejected, right? That we're not using the legal tradition. that The entire point of using the transformative justice approach is to opt out of a legal tradition. So I don't know what the point of situating your review in those spaces is if you're going to talk about participating in an accountability pod.
1: Yeah, I see. I'm seeing what you're saying there. That
0: all said, it is a really interesting read. I do think that she does a great job of correlating specific quotes to specific negative harms. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a lot of the articles, someone like Louisa will say, I see this thread. And what Chef does is she actually pulls that thread out and makes it explicit. So this harm is listed when they say this, 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 this across all the interviews with names. And I think mm-hmm. that's actually really helpful and I think that that's good to read. And then she does finally conclude that, quote, some of Franklin's exes have experienced significant harm in relationships with him and that he should Quote, acknowledge his part in creating emotional pain for his partners, apologize, and identify specific ways in which he will treat people and especially women with whom he partners differently in the future. So I appreciate that conclusion. I'm a little concerned that it does not echo the suggestion from the Survivor Pod that he should limit himself to speaking about things in which he has documented expertise, specifically away from speaking about trauma or abuse, which usually are thought of as requiring highly specialized knowledge to do safely, especially mm-hmm. given his apparent track record, if these stories are all true. And again, not forever, but until he's done the accountability work. Right. right. You'll notice that Rimi Halko in his own post talks about how he's just now being reintegrated into the community again to start teaching again. So the transformative justice model doesn't say never come back and teach these things. Just get your shit straight. It says do your accountability work and then come back and be reintegrated once you have understood and integrated these new lessons. Mm -hmm. I am concerned that there's no call not to participate in this kind of work until the accountability work is finished. Yeah. That seems like something you would also add. If you've concluded that he's harmful, then you wouldn't want him teaching on trauma presumably Mm -hmm. until he's learned not to be harmful. I don't know why that got left out. Do we know if he is? What? Teaching? Yeah. I don't know what he's signed up for I don't know if any conferences have removed But I mean
2: he may be personally not doing anything right now while this is going on. Without other people saying you shouldn't do it. You know what I mean?
0: Well he may be but this is her recommendation section. He may also be thinking about what's going on and really paying attention to people's pain but she recommended to do that as well.
2: Right. So she just failed to recommend that.
0: Right. I just wanted to point that out, that that was in the list of recommendations. I thought they were good recommendations except what I would consider a glaring oversight given, again, the specific calls of the survivors who, if the harms are correct, you would think is a problem.
2: And uh, with her being a presenter, she presents and teaches and speaks and writes books, you know, like... She does the same things, and I think that that would have been great had she called him out on that, too. Mm-hmm.
0: So then the other thing that's interesting is that she has that and the, the overview, but then she also has a separate section called Recommendations for Franklin, which has three recommendations. There are three sections of recommendations. One is take this seriously and do the work, and I agree with that claim, but again, I'm confused that Chef thinks that he should take this seriously but doesn't think that the transformative justice frame is valid. So maybe maybe she means take the trauma seriously seriously because she doesn't she certainly doesn't mean take the transformative justice process seriously because if oh. she meant that she would have at least learned how the process works before she wrote this article because hmm. yeah. then you, you have to have, i mean you would assume that she would practice what you preach so if you think that the transformative justice approach that they've been that the survivors have asked you to engage in needs to be taken seriously then you would think that you would also engage it which is also interestingly because i don't know how you could take the survivors trauma seriously while at the same time ignoring what they're asking the format that they have chosen to engage you in. Mm -hmm. I I don't know what how that's serious at that point.
1: I was just reading over the take it seriously part. And it sounds like what she is implying is to take the accusations seriously, not necessarily the process, because she says, uh, even if you object to the process that the accusations should be taken seriously, essentially, is what I'm I'm reading in her little section here.
0: I think that is referencing his concern that he's being persecuted by Eve.
1: Okay, I see.
0: Because she says, set those aside, right? And okay. listen to what they're saying. So if you listen to what they're saying, I don't know how you can listen to what they're saying and ignore what the asking. format they're asking for your help in. Yeah. yeah. So if they say, please participate in this format, this is what we need as the people who've been traumatized. And you go, well, I'm going to help you, but not the way you wanted. Right. Like, oh, that's yeah. condescending. That's not helpful.
1: Um, Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't even think about it like
0: that. So I don't know how you can take this seriously and just ignore the requests of all the people whose trauma you're ser- taking seriously. Mm-hmm. To me, those are mutually exclusive.
1: I see what you're saying, yeah.
0: And then this one is the really, really, really bizarre one that I don't know why it's there. This is in the section for recommendations to Franklin. This is the third in one. An article... Yeah, in this is the third one. In an article called Sociological Analysis of Three Vaux Survivor Narratives. So presumably these should be recommendations that come out of this narrative analysis. Mm-hmm, right. <sighs> Number three, disengage from Eve Rickett. What in the analysis of any of those stories made it sound like disengaging from Eve was an important part of this? Good point. Right, and then she goes on to clarify that what she means by that. And I think this is a crazy clarification because it's it's said with like extreme certitude in my mind because of the language that, quote, Franklin will not be able to refocus from being her victim to being their aggressor, end quote, while he, quote, interprets this process as driven by Eve. How do you know that? What part of your oh. expertise and... In- any of these things lets you know that he's physically impossible of participating in this process while he feels that way. But more importantly, what There's nothing that anyone outside of him can do to stop him from interpreting that these events are coming from Eve. Even if all the suggestions were made, he could still keep saying, oh, well, I feel like it's coming from Eve. Remove that person. Right, right, right. Okay, so she she goes on to say, and she does couch this suggestion a lot, that one possible way this could be done is to remove everybody in either pod who has financial ties to Eve, which would be, I guess, her, Louisa, I know for sure. I don't know who else. And then what's to stop... Franklin from still feeling like everybody in this is out to get him because of Eve.
2: I get very aggravated about the whole money issue. It's like his group is saying that if any of these survivors are financially tied to Eve, it's not possible that, you know, they could have been abused as well. One has absolutely nothing to do with the other. I get where they're coming from, where they feel like it's being used as a leverage, but (laughs) every time they say it... To me, it's telling those survivors that their trauma can't be true because they're financially linked to Eve.
0: To be fair, at least to Chef, Chef only calls for movers from the pod, not from the survivor group via financial links to Eve. Although, my question would be, once that was done, what would stop Franklin from going, well, all those people that are survivors, well, they're also linked to Eve. Right. Like, that's my whole point, is that, you know, the, we said the what was the line from the last episode, take a step towards the middle, says the unreasonable man, and then he takes a step mm-hmm. back. So he's saying, like, let Let's meet in the middle where you cut all these people out of your pod that I don't like. Yeah. And then what's to stop him from doing that again and again and again until there's nothing left of the framework. Right. And just saying, I can't participate. I don't
2: see a problem with having somebody in the support group that's financially linked to her.
0: And again, that's a legal construct, right? So in our legal system, that's a considered incomparable conflict of interest. Right. Which, if it were in a legal context where there was something significant and financial to gain, we were talking about Franklin risking going to jail or some other horrible outcome i understand the extra layer of concern right, but, right the, but
2: we're not looking at that
0: right the point of the criminal system and the civil system is basically to have the minimum number of false positives that false positives are seen as way worse than false negatives You're right but we're looking to help everyone in the community be healthier <laughs> so here even if there is a false negative who cares right so the original guy was like oh this will destroy a good man it won't it'll ha- like Worst case scenario, a person who speaks on trauma and abuse will get a lot of education on trauma and abuse and get better at his job. Yeah. Worst case scenario, if he participates in the process. That's what's so super confusing about their absolute terror that he might have to participate in learning about the things that he's teaching about anyway. Like
2: Yeah, like the only... <laughs> It will destroy a shitty dude, for sure. But I think that this good man that they, they keep describing Franklin as would welcome constructive criticism, would welcome yeah. ways to be a better man, a better person. Right. And that's all they're trying to do. Like you said, they're not trying to lock him up. They're not trying to press charges. They're not trying to sue him for money. They're just trying to help him become a better person. Yeah. And God forbid we do that.
0: <laughs> no, yeah. right? But so basically, the entire point of pursuing a transformative justice framework is that you trade the possibility of any legal actions out to be in a space for the survivors that feels safe, comfortable, inviting protected, and allows them to effect change on the world that will help them and others not go through the same trauma Right is the goal. So you are asking survivors to remove people that they feel comfortable with and trust. That they trust and who support them. To a... Accommodate the...
2: Legal system.
0: Yeah, the legal system. But I was going to say to accommodate the needs of the accused abuser. Mm-hmm. Right. And the whole problem with the way the legal system the legal system treats survivors is it re-traumatizes them over and over by subjecting them to the needs of the accused right. abuser. witnessing...
2: Right, the entire point yeah. of
0: opting out of that system is to avoid that possibility. Right. So for you to immediately go, well, I want you to take Franklin's needs into account is, you know, it's a very confusing request. And again, I don't understand how it belongs in the analysis of suggestions for Franklin based on the survivor stories, because none of that was covered in the survivor stories. Like, I feel like at least it should be in a separate section where Chef says, based on my experience with Franklin, here are some additional suggestions that are not part of my, you know, sociological analysis that this entire article is based on. Yeah. So then, also, if there was abuse to Franklin, if he feels abused by Eve, then the transformative justice model, what he would do is he would assemble his own survivor pod, and that would then result in Eve also having a Accountability pod. And those two processes could happen simultaneously. Right. So if you feel that you're abused, then by all means, you should be creating a survivor pod for yourself because that's important. Mm-hmm. If there is evidence that you also abuse people, you also need to do the accountability work not to abuse people.
1: Right. Seems logical, right? I mean, seems <laughs> like something that somebody who's interested in becoming, you know, a better person all the time would be interested in doing
0: but this accountability process is not the forum to air your needs to the survivors yeah like those things need to be in separate spaces so here's the other logical fallacy i was going to note so the other logical fallacy is the u2 fallacy which the fallacies are some a lot of fallacies are named in latin so it's the tu quoque fallacy which means you as well or you too and it's basically to say the logic that franklin doesn't have to do accountability work because eve may have to do accountability work is an absolute logical fallacy
1: yeah (laughs) At best, they both
0: need to do accountability work Mm -hmm. to resolve some issues. And it's not surprising that Franklin thinks Eve is abusive. It's often very true that if one partner is abusive, the other partner picks up abusive behaviors in response. And I'm not saying that justifies those abusive behaviors either, because, of course, I believe in a causal universe, and the survivors are all saying Franklin didn't know what he was doing. So I think you have a person who accidentally is harmful to people around him, and the people respond by creating their own harms because they're traumatized. Yeah. And so it's probably not bad for them both to do accountability work and try and clear out that trauma that they absorb so that it doesn't carry on to the next generation of partners or kids or whatever other relationships they have going on. But in his accountability process is not the place to tell the survivors what they need to do. And that was explicitly stated to them, as I understand it, from the Survivor pod. And so it's strange that one of the first public posts from their group is making those kinds of asks. The whole thing is ridiculous. Now, I read all the responses that the Survivor Pod has posted to those articles thus far, and that's part of what I was in my mind when I was making that response. So if you read their responses, which please go read their original responses, you'll see similar strains of logic. And some of them are because we're talking the same language, and some of them are because I read them first, and I don't necessarily remember all the citations that I should give. But a lot of what I just said was dependent upon reading those sources, so please go read those sources and Give them credit, mm-hmm. and so Louisa wrote a response, two responses. One of which is about all the ways she has messed up in his learning, where she's basically holding herself accountable for the mistakes she's made so far, and she's sort of sharing them with everybody so he can understand what she has and hasn't necessarily sees as herself doing well. Then she has a completely separate response that is directly a response to Chef's critiques of her, where she says, "Well, here's why I don't think this is a problem, or why I, you know why I did things the way I did." Yeah. Also, Samantha Manowitz wrote a response that explains why, from a like a trauma perspective, the survivors shouldn't be subjected to this kind of responses. Go read those. Read the, the Twitter posts. They're all in the links. Please read the originals.
2: We are not journalists. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. That's it for today's episode. Since we did not expect this to be two separate episodes, we did not record a separate outro for this part of the show, therefore I am doing this alone as well. It's only a few hours before the episode will go live, and so that was my only choice. I do hope that you enjoyed this episode and you understand why keeping our eyes on these events as they unfold is so important. However, we do realize that this is not the primary focus of our podcast, and want to assure you that for at least the next two episodes, we have already recorded them, and they focus on more traditional topic material. So barring any short correct or cataclysmic reveals we should be returning to our regularly scheduled program for the next four to six weeks next time we will cover new relationship energy often abbreviated as nre and the week following we will release the episode on blame which we recently recorded at atlanta poly weekend abbreviated apw this year i also want to say a special thank you from the the bottom of my heart to all the fans who came out last week and to say how wonderful it was to meet you all in person to everyone else i hope you all have a great week and goodbye